from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You may wish it could stay on as a mall, um, but multi-year efforts trying to make that happen. The writing is now on the wall. That's not happening. This mall is getting demolished. A study by the county government back in the 80s said, this is geologically unstable. North of Lindbergh is a karst topography area, sinkholes, probably around 7,000 housing units that did not get built. And those could have all been shoppers they had for this mall. They all shopped at Jamestown Mall. They hired us as a consulting firm. Uh, they bought it and said, how do we fix this up? And it was really too late. I think the best case scenario is really going to be something that the community can be on the property mm -hmm. in some manner. I'm Sarah Fenske. Jamestown Mall has sat vacant and fluorescent for about 11 years now, but that's finally getting ready to change. Last month, the St. Louis County Council approved a plan for its demolition. It also earmarked $6 million for the effort. So what could happen to the site after that? Well, here now with some perspective is Bob Lewis. He is an assistant professor of urban planning and development at St. Louis University and also involved with this mall site as a consultant. Bob, welcome. Thank you. So Glad Jamestown Mall, this was built in 1973, and the problems that led to its demise were in some ways there from the beginning. How does this all come down to location for this mall? Well, it, it, when it was conceived and then built, it really was ahead of its time, mm. uh, awaiting uh, what was massive at the time suburban expansion into St. Louis County and the whole metropolitan area. So it was kind of a, ahead of its time, expecting more subdivisions yeah. development, um, and that never showed up. And so that was probably the key reason. The reason it didn't show up <clears throat> um, was a lot of demographic change. Um, we can get into racial questions about that. So things weren't as robust as they could have been in North County at the time. But also there was a, uh, 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 at, the, at the time, a, the beginnings of a movement to uh, locate malls not on arterial roads. Our Lindbergh Boulevard, North Lindbergh's on an arterial road in today's terms. Yeah. Uh, they're starting to move and realize that the, the real main streets of St. Louis are the interstate highways. Oh, okay. So you see the Galleria do that starting in the early 80s and then opening up in the mid-80s. Um, success, better success stories were showing up at uh, St. Clair Square on I-64 or at South County or even West County. Chesterfield Mall. Yeah. Uh, they were, the advantages they had on the interstate highways. So you've got uh, 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 others, older ones in North County that were Early when it quickly went into demise, eventually um, Northwest Plaza did. Our largest largest shopping mall went because they were on, it was on St. Charles Rock Road, mm -hmm. not, not on, on the highway. Not on the highway. Not far from the highway, but it made a huge difference, as it turns out. The other thing about Jamestown Mall, where it's located, uh, expecting that suburban growth, mm -hmm. is that just north of Lindbergh, they're on the south side of Lindbergh, uh, north of Lindbergh is a what we call a karst topography area, sinkholes. Oh. It's, uh, you know, you've got the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers affecting things all over the geology up there. And um, there, uh, a study by the county government back in the 80s said, oh, this is too still un geologically unstable. So I imagine the mall developers at that point were like, oh, shoot. You're probably right. And so the, the county basically said we're not going to allow any further development of any significance 
on that land. Uh, I, cal- I was working on a project, and that's how I learned about it, for Jamestown. I calculated it was probably around 7,000 housing units that did not get built. And those could have all been shoppers they for this mall. They all shopped at Jamestown Mall, and that really put a you know a huge crimp on its yeah. being ahead of its time, and then the time never really showed up. You mentioned also that some <clears throat> of the racial demographics of the area were, were a factor. How so? Well, one worries about that. I, I don't have mm-hmm. a, a serious study on that, but that the, the whole racial issues that we have, which we could spend a whole other show on sure. uh, in St. Louis, uh, we're not alone, uh, but happens a lot, um, affect investment decisions by businesses, by housing developers. Um, should they? No, they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, that kind of thing probably got in the way, too. It's not hard to draw a line to that, although it don't be hard data like I do on economic data. But because of that, uh, actually, incomes, household incomes went down a racial factor as well. Mm -hmm. So the buying power diminished. And then there just wasn't the amount of growth that was going to happen uh, that you probably would have gotten if it was a white area. Um, It just wasn't going to happen uh, with white flight from the area, which is documented. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that combined with incomes and probably some racial questions about how do you manage retail businesses in in an area. It's better today. Yeah. Uh, we certainly have a lot of retail in North County, but it's not in a mall situation anymore. Yeah. So this is a lot <clears throat> of things where a mall developer is going to go, okay, you know, I guess I should look, let me look to Chesterfield instead. So this mall is there. Is Jamestown Mall unique in being a 1970s era mall that's already been vacant for more than a decade? No, it's not. Nationwide, even here. Um, the uh, a number of them struggle. Even Chesterfield Mall now struggles. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me, because the uh, uh, because of what was unexpected, but came in f- huge force down in Chesterfield Valley. That was not planned. It was not anticipated. But the market said we want to be down there, and that put a and that's I sixty four forty is our main street of this metropolitan area. A lot of traffic goes by there. Not a whole lot of population around it, but you don't need that with all the traffic flow and easy to get to, even from my house in the city. Uh, but the mall itself suffered because of that, and now the, the Chesterfield Mall is in demise and is is, is facing you know reuse, uh, some demolition, and so forth. So it it happened a lot of places. Northlands Mall, a couple of others, West Roads Mall, which is um, uh, which is now Galleria, mm-hmm. was also one of these one store anchors. <clears throat> of the early, early days, late 50s, early 60s, when these things were getting started with the big department stores in the suburbs. Um, the, the owners of Crestwood Plaza created what's now Galleria because they saw, we were consultants to them at the time as well, they saw that on an arterial road, in Watson Road at Sappington Road, that wasn't going to work anymore. But boy, that Galleria location with I-64 and I-170 in the middle of what is the highest income density in the region. Second highest income density, by the way, is the Target store down at Hampton Village, believe it or not. That's why the Target store stays there. (laughs) Okay, you've thrown me for a loop. That is surprising to me. When I saw the mapping and the data, it threw me for a loop, too. (laughs) You know that data. That is Uh interesting. So So the arterial road thing is a big issue. Yeah, Uh, And we're not there anymore. And a lot of malls around the country who've 
hey, that's where we, that's what we drove in those days. Yeah. <clears throat> and now we're at, we're, at, <clears throat> we're we're at interstate highways. We get on the highways. Well, so this mall has now been uh, vacant for almost a <clears throat> dozen years. Councilwoman Shalonda Webb, who represents this area, mm-hmm. she has said she's in public office because of this mall. She said it's been a quote continued unsafe, grotesque, humiliating, demoralizing property. Now I know in your retail consulting work you've looked at the Jamestown Mall and the various studies that pointed to its decline that those go back to the 2000s. Why do you think it's taken us so long to get to the point of demolition? Oh, wow. Uh, Well, um, and I'm not going to be necessarily perfectly accurate on this, and and, and Councilman Webb knows as much. Partly it's just the the stickiness of these kinds of things. It was a regional mall. Mm -hmm. It was built to support suburban growth. That suburban growth, frankly, changed colors. Mm That issue still is there, and low, a little bit lower incomes. Although they're not horrible up in North County, they're not where they ought to be. Given not where a mall it, developer wants them. And um, so it, uh, it 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 just ran into a lot of issues. But everybody still wanted it to be a mall. So people didn't want to give up on that mall dream. That's mm-hmm. that was the delay. And nor did the owners. They yeah. they had new owners that were and they hired us as a consulting firm <clears throat> back in around early, very early two thousand aughts. Uh, they bought it and said, how do we fix this up? And it was really too late. Uh, but then they lingered on and tried to get a whole lot of county support uh, through the economic uh, developers and so forth. And, it, and, and of course, the community, the area around there still wanted it to be a regional mall, yeah. an indoor mall like everybody else has got. Yeah. And uh, it just, uh, but it, you know, then you had vacancies, stores weren't making their rents, so they were disappearing. It turned into you know, a lot of walking went on there to kind of keep it alive, but it slowly and but there's a lot of stickiness. We want them to be there, and it's there, but you just really can't make it an active place anymore. So it really took a long time. On top of all that, then who's going to take it over? Yeah. The owners couldn't couldn't support it. They went to the county. The county and the county port authority ended up buying it, and of course that's the county port authority is trying to figure out what to do with it now and recover the expenses if they can that they've put into it to, to stabilize it and now, of course, to raise it. We're talking today to Bob Lewis. He's an assistant professor of urban planning and development at St. Louis University. We're talking about the Jamestown Mall. I know many of you remember this mall. You miss this mall. You may wish it could stay on as a mall, um, but multi-year efforts trying to make that happen. The writing is now on the wall. That's not happening. This mall is getting demolished. I might add, by the way, it's, if you look at the mall, aerial photo, you'll see it. It's there. It's going to disappear. Yeah. But you're also going to see a lot of green space around it. Same property, about 142 acres. This is a that, big piece of land. That never got developed. You, if you know malls, you know there's always these outlots that fast food stores go to and that sort of thing. Those never came either. And uh, because of the way things were changing pretty rapidly, even in the 70s, um, into the, well into the 80s. <clears throat> so there's a lot of land uh, for uh, development which really, it's not redevelopment so much as a mall is. There's a lot of land actually for first-time development as well. So that's exactly what I'd love to hear a little bit about. I understand there are six proposals for this land that now holds this about-to-be-demolished mall. Um, you're a consultant trying to help the county decide what to do. Can you take us through the general ideas? Yeah, uh, right now uh, the, our consulting team was hired to initially come up with, through data analysis and a lot of conversations, uh, six possible scenarios. We've shared those with us. We have an advisory committee that's uh, made up of residents and, and cities up there. Um, <clears throat> and those that are six 
broad scenarios, which I quickly share. Sure, that'd time. be great. And those are supposed to be boiled down to two, maybe three, that we'll really dig, dig into and start dealing with questions of does it make money, does it make sense, is it going to be community supported, and so forth. Uh, the, 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 the six scenarios start right now with uh, let's turn it into a big subdivision with a little retail support. Okay, have uh, some there's, housing. There's going to be a lot of housing can go on. There's some new housing that would be valuable to North County, maybe attract more population. Uh, there are a couple of proposals really for corporate development, office development, maybe a corporate campus if we can find one, you know, like a Monsanto or something yeah. like that. Uh, those are hard to find, but it's a good site for that sort of thing. So those we're talking about those kinds of things. Uh, a high-tech center, maybe, uh, you know, parts of it could be, a, you know, Cortex North, who knows. A lot of competition with that with Cortex as well as with the 39 North at the Danforth Center and so forth. But yeah. You know, th th these issues come up and we, we want to think about those. Uh, it, uh, uh, Councilwoman Webb got involved because it was proposed as a logistics center, a lot of trucking and warehousing distribution, which isn't bad. It's still on the list. Yeah. She wasn't happy that that, that proposal came in uh, without uh, a lot, uh, without sufficient community involvement. Mm -hmm. So the current contract we have with the Port Authority is a lot of community involvement. We've had three meetings with our advisory committee already, and there's a public meetings are coming up. First big public meeting will be the end of June. Um, so there's that. Logistics Center is still on that broad scenario list. And the final one, could it be revert even to farming? Hmm. Maybe high-intensity farming, uh, hydroponic farming, and or um, kind of an energy place, uh, a wind farm, mm -hmm. solar farm. Combinations of these things will come up in the end. Yeah. But you get an idea of the kind of broad scenarios we're looking at right now and conversations are going on. So I don't hear anything that is primarily retail. Is that just these same demographics that made, you know, trying to keep this mall open, they just don't lend themselves to such a large um, retail focus site. That's correct. It's not really a regional mall. That's off, off the list. We gave that an honorable mention in our report. <clears throat> but it's it really is you're not going to get a market for that yeah. even with if, Certainly you're not going to, with the karst topography, the sinkhole area, you're not going to get enough housing up there um, and so forth. Let's not go there. By the way, North County, north of 270, um, has more than enough retail. Uh, its retail shopping is supported by a lot more than lives up there, the buying power up that way. So it's attracting from elsewhere in North County and Northwest County. But most of that's on Lindbergh Boulevard um, in Florissant, mm -hmm. uh, straggling down into Hazelwood a little bit. Uh, so there's ample there. And another thing is that the tastes have changed with a lot of this. There's more talk among developers, among the market as well, for experiential retail. You know, we want to walk in places. We want a different architecture. We want to experience the outdoors. We want to eat outdoors um, and shop outdoors even and go from shop to shop. And that's kind of what Chesterfield Valley has become. Different kind of thing. It's not all that walkable, but it's a different experience. In many ways, you can say the American public has gotten tired of what the old regional malls were. They're fairly clean, yeah. maybe too clean. And uh, we'd rather be on Cherokee Street than in these malls in many, many ways, which is one reason that place and the, and the Grove and others are doing well as well. Yeah. So we're not really going to find this as a big regional place right now. So you mentioned you are doing all of this um, engagement, feedback from residents. People are getting to weigh in. Will this ultimately come down to what the neighbors want, or do you have to find, okay, here's what's going to be feasible? How do you balance those things? Well, they all come together in the same equation. Yeah. Uh, so the answer is yes to all of that. <laughs> um, uh, in many ways, what we're looking for is the highest and best use. What will return the best for developers, for property owners, for the Port Authority, for the county, but 
uh, you, uh, you, as an urban planner, you can't move forward with any of those profit business topics without saying, will the community support this? Yeah. And uh, so a, a highest and best use also says, yeah, well, I, yeah, maybe it ought to be a high-rise office building, but that's not doesn't fit here yeah. uh, to us. And that's where uh, Councilwoman Webb is coming from, for sure. Yeah, so, this idea of the logistics center, that's still on the table. Is there a way that could be done that would mitigate the concerns of people like Councilwoman Webb? We think so. Uh, that's not solved yet. But yes, there's the roadway is big enough. It takes you quickly to 367 to the east, which gets you up to Alton or down to 270 pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So in theory, it works, but it's also a lot of traffic <clears throat> um, and certainly not something that is oriented toward the community. Yeah. They can't go in there and you know walk the dog, uh, do some jogging, run around open, open space, do some shopping. So it's, it becomes an industrial park that uh, probably has some economic feasibility but probably not acceptable um, in, uh, sufficiently to override something else. That said, I don't want to, you know, I'm not supposed to make those judgments yet. We're still sure. studying, technically studying. We <clears throat> should mention we have asked Councilwoman Webb if she wants to come on the show and, okay. and talk about this, and our door remains open. We'd love to hear She's her perspective on this. She's very articulate this. about this. Yeah, so she has a lot of thoughts on this, mm-hmm. as, as she should. I mean, no, this is her neighborhood. No, and no, no. Um, well, she's fully supportive of what we're doing. We've had good conversations with her. She likes how this process yes. is, is set up yeah, at this point. Yeah, That's yeah, great. Yeah. This is just kind of a heartbreaking to me as a child of the 90s. It, it feels like <laughs> malls are where, after school, we <clears> used to just walk around for hours and eat at the food court. And I feel like kids today maybe don't have that that kind of space anymore. But from hearing what you describe, that might be something I need to get over. Well, probably. I think that that jury's out, but it's still a different taste. Oh, that's what mom and dad did in the 90s. Right. Um, <laughs> just by me liking it, so I make it uncool. So they want to hang around the Loop or Cherokee Street or the Grove or downtown Maplewood. There's a lot more of that going on. So, you know, generations change. amazing. What do you guys know about regional malls? Why would they not be inviting to you? Well, they are, and that yeah. was the same thing that affected us as kids as well. We want to wonder what our parents did. Kind totally. Of so that's, that there's a lot of that experiential retail. Plus, with the COVID, uh, even the malls realize we can't be inside so much. And to be experiential, many of them are breaking out walls and opening up restaurants and sidewalks, even on the mall sites. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's not, <clears throat> not so interior anymore. It's a little bit more exterior, a little more fun, a little more robust on the outside. So, Bob, as, as we're finishing up this conversation here in just our final moments, what do you see as the best case scenario for this property as this process plays out? <clears throat> well, I think the best case scenario is really going to be something that the community can be on the property mm-hmm. in some manner. Could some of it be really be a park or a trail system? Uh, we're having those conversations, even with some of these other developments. So it's something I think we're going to probably everybody's going to prefer whatever it becomes economically successful to the degree it can, it, it, it's probably also going to have a lot of uh, public access to it. Doesn't mean you're going to walk on private property, but uh, why not? It's a huge site, um, and there's plenty of room to do that sort of thing. I like the sound of that. Bob Lewis, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Avery. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.